Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. On this episode, we advocate for starting your own garden to ensure food security. It can also be a community-based activity that ensures food independence into the future as climate change threatens to impact food availability and pricing. A lot of our listeners don't live on a two-thirds acre lot in suburbia with a perfect lawn that can be desecrated and turned into a garden. If you have limited space, it's very possible to grow your own food, at least for a couple meals a week, for under $20. So what's necessary to start a garden with limited space? So what do you need to, to have a farm? You need to have a access to sun or lights. It doesn't even have to be sun. You can have LEDs. You can have any type of lights you want. High-pressure sodium bulbs if you're growing other type of plants. Um, you have to have access to growing medium, and that can be anything from the soil outside to bags of dirt that you buy to um, clay to hydroponics, whatever it needs to be. You need to have access to space and then seeds and then nutrients. I mean, there's there's quite a little bit here you have to have access to, but at the end of the day, if you have a bucket and dirt, you can grow tomatoes. It's probably one of the easiest things to grow. It grows like a weed. So you're talking a literal five-gallon bucket with dirt. Where should you get this dirt? Is all dirt the same? Do you have to buy fancy gardening dirt that's you know $15 for a cubic foot? What kind of dirt do you need? The first thing you should know is that if you live in anywhere that was near industry or has cars, you should not just plant food directly in the ground. I mean, that, that's the important part. There's lead paint from, from the 70s and before that. There's lead in the gasoline that settled down. There's heavy metals that come from electricity production. There's there's lots of just toxins in the world around you. That That's number one. Uh, the second part is that there is some magical, I call it properties of dirt, that you kind of have to have. But if you go out and buy a bag of, of growing dirt, it comes with it. So don't just go out and buy topsoil, even though it's $1.98 a bag or you can get it somewhere for cheap. And I know it's enticing because it's cheap. You really want to buy a 5 to $7 bag that, that has growing medium in it because you want your dirt to be a little fluffy. It doesn't have to be all perlite. And perlite's just like a, a foam filler. It doesn't have to be all foam filler. You have to have just a good mixture of what growing medium. And what that'll be is dirt, perlite, like peat moss, just, just a basic basically dirt that's been sort of infused or mixed in with other volume to make it easier for the roots to grow because you don't want compaction because you want the roots to be able to grow through it and one of the issues with just going outside and not not using a hoe and breaking the dirt up and just putting a seed down is that the roots struggle really hard to break through the compacted soil so if you think about your yard you're running on it all day long it's been raining you're playing on it or what it has to be it's been 40 years since anybody's dug a hole that dirt is really hard and it's really really difficult for anything to grow in it and depending on what region you live in, your dirt can actually be not dirt. It might be clay. And clay has different growing properties that are generally not favorable to any agricultural endeavors. And that's why you, you want good dirt. So you listed a couple things. You had, you had dirt. You set a five to seven dollar bag. That's about right for a, I think a cubic foot bag of, I'm going to say gardening soil is probably what it's called. You don't need to buy name brand. It doesn't matter. It's, it's dirt. You then said vermiculite and perlite, and these are effectively just brand names for what amounts to filler. It's styrofoam. And the idea behind buying styrofoam is that it's cheap, and it doesn't impede the progress of whatever your plan is. Buy a bag of dirt, half fill it with styrofoam, and your bag of dirt goes twice as far. Your pot is also lighter, and 
the plant probably has more nutrients than it needs in you know half a pot of dirt versus an entire pot of dirt. Plants are generally pretty able to extract nutrients from literal dirt. You said earlier that there might be a need for nutrients as well, and that comes in the form of what most people think of as fertilizer. But specific plants have different nutrient needs, and you can buy basically fertilizer packs that are targeted that are also relatively cheap. To grow a tomato, you don't need any of this. You need dirt. You can buy some vermiculite. You put the seed in, and you water it, and it it will grow, and it will produce handfuls of tomatoes. And this can all be done for, you said $7 for dirt. You can probably buy a seed packet that's $3. When you buy seeds, you want to buy generally non-GMO and organic because they're going to have a better quality. And you, and this is a key part, you can collect seeds from the plants typically and reuse them. And they're viable. Whereas if you buy, I guess, normal seeds that are generally cheaper, the seeds are typically sterile. You know, you go out and buy a seed packet, and the seed packet guarantees that variety. That's what you're doing. You're trying to guarantee some style of it. You can't just strip the seeds from a tomato you buy at the grocery store because most commercially grown fruit uses what is called hybrid seeds, and this is the sterile seeds. When you buy seeds, you want to look for the heirloom varieties because that means that they are going to be viable seeds when they actually are produced on the physical plant. Some fruit you get from the grocery store will produce viable seeds, but you want to be careful about imported food if you're looking to harvest seeds. In general, you cannot grow something that comes from another country because it's probably been hit with an irradiation to kill off any bugs coming over. And that, in general, sterilizes any of the seeds inside of it. That's a real thing. So your food that comes from Mexico has been already irradiated to kill off any microbes or anything that, that can cause harm. So this talks about growing tomatoes in a pot. This single tomato plant will probably produce more tomatoes than you can physically consume. Not joking. You may want to buy a tomato cage so that the tomatoes have something to rust on as they grow, but you can jerry-rig it, you can wire, you can find a piece of rebar, and old broken paint stick. It doesn't matter. You, anything to hold a stick from outside will hold it up. We can go into the science real quick. There's two types of tomatoes. There's determinate and indeterminate, just to give you an idea. Indeterminate grows like a vine, so it's going to kind of grow out. And anywhere it wants to go, it'll go up, it'll go up your lattice work and do whatever it wants to. Just, and just eat them in like cherry tomatoes and stuff. Then there's the determinate ones. They're the ones that you like the big beef eaters, like the big tomatoes, like they kind of grow upwards. Those ones you have to put a cage around because they get so heavy they'll break their own branches. But at the end of the day, really, a tomato plant is a weed that grows awesome fruit. We keep bringing it up because it's one of the easiest plants to grow. If you have sun, you have water, you have dirt, and you have seeds, you can grow tomatoes. And if you let a tomato just fall in there, it'll keep it'll grow next year. It's like it's a weed. It'll grow all year round. So let's talk a little bit about the light requirements for various plants. We'll start with tomatoes. So can you grow a tomato indoors? You can if you have LEDs, but in general, tomatoes require direct sunlight, which is hard to do unless you have a south south facing window that gets eight hours of sunlight a day. So if you have a south facing window and you put the tomato pot near the window. You, your tomato plant probably doesn't die, but it probably doesn't have as good of a yield as though it were outside. But if you want to grow plants indoors, LEDs are an option. They're relatively inexpensive, and you can probably grow a tomato indoors with an LED. But if you grow a tomato indoors, your tomatoes won't pollinate, and you won't get any tomatoes. So that's something to consider as well, depending on your climate. If you have winter, it doesn't really make sense to have a tomato indoors because there aren't bees or pollinators that go and pollinate tomatoes. Some tomatoes are self-pollinating where you can take like a, an electric toothbrush or just kind of go and shake it and they will self-pollinate. Depends on what kind of tomato you have, whether this actually works or not. Bees 
do the best job. Bees do the best job. This whole discussion is to encourage you to try it. Because gardening can be hard if you try to get fancy, but really, with, with tomatoes, it's super easy. If you have a south-facing window, you can grow shaded vegetables or shaded, like, parsley. Like, what are those things called? The the bougie shit. Herbs. Basils, parsley, all that fun stuff. Because they grow well. You can probably even grow lettuce in your windowsill because you don't need a lot of light. So let's go through a couple of plants, and we'll just discuss how much light they need, whether they self-pollinate, general stuff like that. So let's say... So we've talked a lot about tomatoes, but let's say you don't like tomatoes. What are some other options? I don't personally like tomatoes. You don't? What are you, a psychopath? I guess I'm a psychopath. So how about peppers? I think I think peppers, hot peppers, green peppers, doesn't matter. It's a pepper plant. Tend to grow in the same type of sunlight. Any actual viney type of plant, that includes melons, like cucumbers, watermelons, will grow in the same type of lighting conditions as, as a, a full-field tomato. They like... Full daylight, all year round. They love it. It's important to them. They'll, they'll grow as fast as they can with as much light as you give them. As long as it has water, they'll grow. So how about something like lettuce or spinach? Lettuce and spinach, they'll take daylight too, but they tend to be a crop that you don't actually want to go to flower. You don't want them to seed because it makes them really bitter. They taste weird. They're a leafy green, which means that they, they grow out and, and you eat the leaves. You don't eat the fruit. You don't want them to go to seed. The spinach and the lettuce and all the all the microgreens, you don't want them to pollinate. Like you, really, you don't want them to go to flower. You want to eat them every six weeks or whatever their growth pattern is, which is really nice because you can chop them off and keep the root bed there and keep eating them. They'll keep growing because it's a cool leafy green. So you can go back, you can hack it off, eat a salad, and then four weeks later have another lettuce head. So lettuce and spinach require generally less sunlight than tomatoes. So it's generally possible to grow lettuce indoors in front of a windowsill with yep. fairly minimal effort, and it will yep. continue to grow so long as you continue to cut it. If you get to the point where it starts to seed and have the little flower shoot come up, just cut it off. It'll keep growing leaves. There is some period of time where it kind of gets to the end of its lifespan, and at that point, you just start over. You rip out the plant, you put a new seed in, and you go. Part of growing stuff indoors is developing what cadence you want to grow it at. So lettuce might have a 90-day lifespan. Once you get to day 45, you need to plant another seed so you can replenish the plant that you have growing. So it's all about getting to the cadence like you're saying. Remember, the goal is to get you to be uh, basically food independent or at least a portion of your food as independent. Why this is important is that the more that you do this and the more neighbors that do this, the less you are stuck on the cycle of big grocery, which is an actual capitalistic venture where they want to make money off of your food. Right, what you have to live. So we're trying to teach everybody here that we need to decommoditize everything. One way to decommoditize food is to grow it yourself. One of the objectives of having your own access to fresh produce is that you're not in a food desert anymore. So what is a food desert? We talked a little bit about how the big agricultural entities want to make food profitable, and that's absolutely true. So Dollar General, Dollar Tree, these are basically the only grocery store accessible to a lot of people and they sell absolutely trash food there isn't fresh fruit there isn't produce everything is in a box and frozen it has stabilization preservatives in it that are generally not healthy and if this is your sole source of food over a long period of time it's going to be unhealthy so the goal in that context is to produce some food on your own that is healthy 
vegetables aren't necessarily the most tasty thing to eat. I personally like fruit better, but fruit's a lot harder to grow. If you can convince yourself that eating vegetables is just healthy and you just suck it up and you take pride in the fact that you grew it yourself you put a bunch of your stuff in a in a bowl and you just eat a salad and no matter how bad it tastes just eat it just eat it you can grow your own lettuce you can grow spinach you can grow kale you can grow swiss chard those are your greens you can add tomatoes you can grow onions you can grow carrots although carrots are very space intensive and the yield is pretty low relative to the amount of effort it takes to grow them yes but there you have a decent salad, and it's effectively free. It'll basically produce a serving a couple times a week if you water it three times a week for tap water and $8 a year. It, it's about a cultural shift. We're not saying that you're going to end capitalism by doing this. We're going to say that this is one one part of the puzzle. It's like recycling, right? It's not going to stop environmental destruction, but at least it, it slows it down. And in this case, we're, we're talking about... How do you decommoditize food or other resources? This is how you do it. One of the ways. It's also going to your farmer's market and buying food from the local farmers that are trying to trying to make something for themselves. And if you're really feeling up to it, the USDA has lots of programs. Lots of programs. Like the High Tunnel Initiative, in which you can, if you have the space, put a high tunnel or a hoop house, which is basically like a, a plastic, like plastic sheeted greenhouse, and you can grow food inside of it and they pay for it. You just have to, you just have to take some of the stuff to the farmer's market. It's not just limited on, you know, city folk, right, or country folk. I mean, it's it's basically everybody trying to do their best. Now, do you have to have a full garden and, and be out there 24-7 and have a tractor? No. Do you get a little, little effort? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I can't, I can't explain to you, unless you've grown tomatoes, how easy it is to grow a tomato. So let's just walk through a very simple, here's your plan of attack because you want to grow a tomato. What should I do? You go to Home Depot, Lowe's, you go buy yourself a five-gallon bucket. You buy yourself a lid for two bucks. You're like six bucks into it now. You go out to the garden section. You buy 10-quart bag of dirt, of pot dirt, whatever you want to call it, dirt. You go buy a pack of seeds. You're effectively $18 into this project. You go home. You cut a hole in the lid. You pour all the dirt inside the bucket. You plant some seeds in the middle of it. And you put, you snap the little lid on it so you have a hole for the tomato to grow through it. And you're done. And you wait seven days and a little tomato will sprout out. A bunch of little tomatoes will sprout out. You're going to pop. A couple of them out, the, the the small the small little ones you're going to basically pull out and weed out of it because you're trying to get the healthiest plant to live. And then eventually you're going to weed it down to one singular plant and you're done. It'll grow. So how many seeds do you plant? In this case, I probably plant seven seeds. Okay, and then you see which ones grow. Yep. And after time, you, you pick one or two and you just let them grow in the bucket. Let them grow in the bucket, yep. When you're in the seeding phase, how often do you water? And how much water? The soil remains damp around the seed, but that's it. It's very little water on that seed. You just need it to be moist because you don't want to drown the seed. It still takes up oxygen in a, in a around the soil. It does not take it up in a root yet. So after seven days, you should see one or many of the seeds begin to sprout. And at that point, what kind of water do you give them? You're going to keep that soil damp thoroughly through the whole bucket. So you should be able to see, if it's an orange bucket, let's say, you should be able to see when the water's kind of in the soil because it's going to change color. You'll get darker. And that's because you're filling the voids up from the air pockets and it's got a different index refraction and you get a different light path. Fundamentally, you should be able to see it. So once the tomato gets bigger, let's say it's 8 inches big at this point, and that should occur after 30-ish days or so from, from yep. a seed, how much water do you give it at that point? 
you don't keep it wet, but you, you keep it watered. But you don't want standing water. You don't want it to rot. So you need to have drainage within the bucket, like on the bottom. You drill like three holes, like about an inch or so above the water to get rid of any standing water. In this case, with the tomato, the important part is if you see it wilting, you give it water. Because it will, again, at this point in time, if it is in the active flowering stage and it's hot outside and the sun's out, it will grow as fast as it can because it's a very hollow like stem. It'll grow fast and it will suck as much moisture as you give it up. Give it to it. Within reason. If you see it well, to water it. So for roughly $18 and whatever your cost of water from the tap, you can have a tomato that grows in 60-ish days or so. We say water from the tap, but you should also be aware of what is in your tap water. So if, if your tap water has pollutants, contaminants, any water you put into the plant will be present in whatever fruit or vegetable is grown there. So if you don't have good tap water, you should consider a different source of water to use for your plant. If that means going to work and using the good water that they perhaps have, they, they might have better water. They're in a different county. They, they'll have different filtering, even if it's just from the water fountain. So you can take in a, a container and fill it up at work so that you don't have to use your you know contaminated tap water. You should, I'm not saying steal, you should utilize as much of your employee's resources for your well-being as possible. If that means being able to find tap water or toilet paper or soap, whatever it is, you should get it. So you just outlined an $18 approach to getting tomatoes, but you can do it even cheaper with stuff that you probably already have in your house. You said a milk carton earlier. So if you have a, a one-gallon container and you look at the recycling symbol on the bottom, you want it to be a number two, which means that it's typically HDPE plastic, which means it's generally safe. The plastic contaminants won't leach into the dirt or into whatever liquid that you're storing in that container. It's a high-density polyethylene is what it stands for. And that that's what you're looking for. It's a, it's a heavy-chained polymer. Typically, milk jugs, half-gallon, a gallon, stuff like orange juice, juice, just in general, look for the number two with the HDPE. You can use that as a pot. You just cut the top off. You can go to a, a park nearby and fill it with dirt, and you have a literal free plant. The goal is to impact your community and become less reliant on factory food, and this can be done very cheaply. You know, gardening for a community-first mentality, right? Community gardening doesn't mean that, that you have to be all in on the community and go get a community garden. It really means that you're growing tomatoes and helping to impact your community and whatever shape that is, whether or not that's your own food independence or whether or not that's helping your neighbor with some tomatoes. It doesn't have to be life-altering to everybody. It just has to be a small step change, a small change so we can get people talking about it moving in the right direction, or should I say left direction. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.